are going to get started in three, two, one, and hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. I am uh, I'm very excited about tonight's show. We've got somebody who's actually trekking up the side of a mountain. Uh, he's you can probably hear him huffing and puffing right now. He's he's a, a good friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, um, and for the packed house in the audience. Uh, and everybody listening, um, I'd like you all to welcome to the show. Uh, his name is Steve Collins, folks. Steve, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, buddy. And yeah, I'm halfway up Everest. Uh, I've got 14 Sherpas with me. We've seen three <laughs> Yetis. And uh, doing my best. I, I don't think I need any oxygen yet, but we'll make it through. Awesome. Well, that, that knocks off like two or three questions right there. So, um, All right, so we're going to play a game, uh, and the game is called 20 Questions, and we are going to start with question number one. Steve, oh, bummer. do I you... Hoping was, I was hoping it was seven minutes in the closet. <laughs> that's, that's the next show. That's the next show. We have to, we have to work into that. Sorry uh, to that's okay. Uh, so, so, Steve, do you believe in karma? I do. I definitely do. Um, you know, I can't say that I've had like a super impactful moment, but I feel like when I do well or do good by others, somehow things just sort of work out. Yeah. I definitely believe in it. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept, and it's one that, you know, you hear about. People throw the word around a lot, like karma's a bitch, karma's going to get you, you know, all that stuff. And, it, and when, you're, when you hear it when you're younger, you're like, ah, oh, whatever. But the more you live, the more you realize that nothing bad comes from doing good you know it's like you usually when you put something out there and it, i think it has to do with the the way that we're all connected but i'm glad to hear you're a believer so am i um so we're one for one next question yeah is facebook mostly good or mostly bad okay so i think it's now 75 percent bad 25 percent good okay um the connectivity it allows me to people that I never would have kept in touch with or never would have reconnected with yep. um, is pretty incredible, to be honest. And I've had some awesome interactions, and you know whether they be face to face or through Messenger, um, with people that you know I really liked in high school but lost touch with them. And I think back, like when I graduated high school in 1989, how would I ever find those people again? You know, we, we right. just didn't have the ability at that point. Yeah, and, so um, true. Now, you know, you can catch up and see what they're up to. It's like, you know, the old shows that used to be on TV. Where are they now? Well, you can actually do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you can find out. And I have definitely had multiple occasions where I have connected with people whom I never thought I'd see again and just had, like, super positive experiences. A friend of mine that I saw up in Pemaquid, I didn't even know he, uh, Pemaquid, Maine, like, sure. in the summer times. Didn't even know they spent time up there. Somehow I saw a picture of them there, and the next thing you know, we're like hanging out on a dock, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. So that's the twenty-five percent that's good. It, it used to be more good than bad. Um, yeah. You know, with the political climate, it has polarized things to such a degree that it, it's it's not that it polarizes things or that you know having discerning opinions or a bad thing it's just the shouting that happens yeah if you think a certain way there's no polite discourse yeah and, you know i'm sort of naturally a centrist i see good and bad and i think compromise is a really good thing in politics and it's really taken that off uh the table and 
that's unfortunate because it brings out sort of like the the base root negative in people. Yeah. Um, where it actually could be a platform for open and honest discussion, but it just doesn't seem to go that way. Yeah, no, I, I love that answer. And, you know, I'm, I haven't been on Facebook since 2016, and I left then for a number of reasons, but primarily I felt like that balance of good and bad had kind of just tipped over the 50% mark in the bad favor. But I will have to agree with you, when I did have it, and I was able to connect with people, you know, from Australia that I went to high school and college with, my my family down in Virginia, it's like, all over the place, people that, you know, uh, like you said, I went to a trade show once in Chicago. Turns out, you know, one of my fraternity brothers lives in Chicago, so we hooked up and, you know, things like that. Um, you, it's, it's hard to do in any other way, but um, I remain off Facebook and uh, I agree. Right now, unfortunately, it's mostly bad. Okay, here we go. Shifting gears, Game of Thrones. So Game of Thrones obviously was a TV show, very successful TV show. Uh, and what most people know, but some people don't, is that it was actually a book beforehand. I think it was called The Song of Fire and Ice or something like that. Anyway, you're one of the few people. Um, could you, you know, if you could just make some more noise. Um, sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. No, that's okay. It's good. It's like sound effects. It's almost like we, you know. The crowd's going crazy. Um, so uh, the Game of Thrones, you're one of the few people that I know that have read the entire series, which, and there's a lot of words there, uh, and watched the entire series. So uh, I, I consider your opinion on this question kind of an, an expert opinion. And the question is this, do you think that they completely botched the ending of that TV show? And if, if so, by how much? Well, so here's the question. Um, it, it's a good question. I don't think they completely botched it because we don't know what the base material is going to be or was. What we know is that George R.R. R. Martin gave a series of notes to the two guys that did the show. Yep. And he said, this is what I'm loosely thinking about for the end. And then they took that and um, produced what it is they produced. So... You know, I, I don't know if you use the term botch, that means that they deviated from the original in some way that was less than agreeable. We don't even know what the original was. Okay, that's so, fair. Um, you know, what I do know is that the book and the books, rather, in the series deviated right around, I'll say book four, five, somewhere in there. Yep. There's some major forks in the road. And I liked both. I really okay. did. So. A lot of the changes they made for the show, um, I thought were really favorable, but not better than the books. Like, it just was like a different story, and that's why I'm excited for the rest of those books to come out because, based on some of the choices they made in the show, there's no way the books can follow the way the show went. Right, right. So I'll be curious to see the way it goes. Yeah. So I know that was a non-answer for you, but <clears throat> no, um, it, it was the answer I was looking for, though. Um, because I'll say this: that I I was personally slightly disappointed. Okay. Yeah. See that I mean that's the thing. So I, I did not read one book, not run one word of one book, but I watched the whole series and I enjoyed it. I, I felt like the quality of storytelling and the quality of the storylines kind of tailed off and weren't quite as strong towards the end. But I had to your point, I had nothing to compare to because A, the source material wasn't there, but B, I hadn't read anything. Um, so I wanted to get the opinion of someone who had done both. And there's not a lot of people 
that have done both. You know, most people have only watched the show. Yeah. Well, fortunately, I I got into the books. I, I watched the first episode of the show. Yep. And I was and I was like, oh my god, that was really really good. And I immediately picked up the first book. Oh, that's so as cool. As soon as I picked up the first book, I read all of them without watching another show. Wow. So I watched all of them, and then I watched the entire show. And that's so cool. um, I don't know what my point was at all. No, no, no. Well, you're, kind of unique, unique way to do it. Totally. And you're obviously a big reader. So what, what book are you reading right now? Right now I am reading a uh, fantasy series. And it's called the, uh, what's the name of it? This guy is going to be the next George R.R. R. Martin, the guy that's, that's writing it. I can't okay. think of what his name is. He's, uh, damn it. Come back to that. All right, will do. That's fine. Um, so let's, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Okay, so we're, we're both parents. Uh, Way of Kings, Brandon. Way of Way Kings. Way of Kings, Brandon Sanderson. It's a series that's on book four. It's going to be 10. It's amazing. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're both parents, um, and we were both children of the 70s and 80s. So here's my next question. Do you think, in your uh, experienced opinion, that it is more challenging to be a parent now or more challenging to be a parent back when we were kids? That is such a good question, and I literally had a conversation about this with a buddy of mine last night, and we're talking about the different parenting styles. So I was the youngest of three boys. I was also four and a half years younger than my next sibling. Okay. And so uh, my parents and my older brothers ran hard, so they were kind of tired by the time I came along. Mm -hmm. And it, it was all boys, my family. So, like, if I smiled and was polite and didn't get in too much trouble. I could do anything I wanted. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, you know, thinking back on it, like, the time I wasted, and it wasn't like my parents were bad parents. They were freaking awesome. But they, uh, you know, I just, I made it easy for them to not dive in too deep with what I was doing. Yeah. Because I really, really liked my flexibility. And I was also a latchkey kid, so... You know, my mom and dad both worked full time, so I'd come home after school, and sports were not the same as they are now nope. at all. You know, in terms of like the hyper focus on stuff and that's so true. Club sports, or at least yeah. it wasn't for me anyway. Yeah. And uh, so I had so much free time to get in trouble, and I did. And uh, <laughs> it's probably why we're friends today. Uh, so point being, I think it's harder to be a parent now. Yeah. Because you have to be so on task all the time. Yeah. And also, uh, honestly, the amount of um, information that kids can process and get access to. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about what would it be like in this day and age if, or not this day and age, in our day and age, if we had cell phones and shit. Oh, good Lord. But, no, no, you can swear. It's, it's, it's okay, permissible. Good. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, it, my life would be ruined right now. I, I don't even... <laughs> I'd be in a van down by the river uh, you know, because God. there's like a full, full like um, set of tracks of what I actually did. And yeah. So I keep telling my kids, I'm like, dude, this stuff is forever. It doesn't go away. I know. Be very, very careful what you say and what you, uh, you know, pictures you take and what you do with that stuff because 
there's no there's no end date. There's yeah. no expiration date on the stuff. It goes forever and come back and get you. Yeah. No. So and I think it, it's harder now. I I would have to agree. It's harder now. And you t- I'll tell you what. If I were if somebody were trying to explain to 16 year old uh, Ethan. Um, the the concept of hey everything you do on this phone it's gonna last forever, it would not have gone very far into my cerebral cortex. Um, don't get don't get hit if those are cars. I don't I don't want anybody getting hurt here. No, I'm, I'm on a sidewalk. It's, I'm not like Steve Kinnan okay. or anything like that. And I apologize. <laughs> I'm gonna go down a no. different road. I don't mind. I kind of like the I like the every once in a while having a car. It gives a, an urban feel to the to the broadcast i just don't want you to get hurt all right so you are a you're a big skier um what is your favorite mountain to ski on i couldn't hear you but oh i'm sorry can you hear me now yep i got you okay so you're a big skier i like to ski yep uh what's your favorite mountain to ski on and why okay so it's a two-part question because you got to break it up okay um east coast uh it'll be sugarloaf maine and just because it is so big, so broad, I've spent so much time there. You can always find something. So early season, they do a really good job of snowmaking, and the trails are wide, and they groom it. So when the snow's really shitty everywhere else, yep. you can go there and find something to do while you're getting your legs warmed up waiting for spring. Yep. Uh, and then when the snow gets good, like it is right now, I'm losing my mind because I'm not up there because I'm just getting hammered. Um, there's a thousand acres. It's the largest resort in the east. Yep. Um, with one little asterisk being that I hold a special place in my heart for Jay Peak yeah. in Vermont because of the, this, the sheer amount of natural snow that it gets. You know, it's not an urban legend. It's the truth. They, they absolutely get it. Yeah. But when Jay's bad, it's worthless. Yeah. Whereas Sugarloaf always has something. So if I had to choose one, I'd choose Sugarloaf. Sugarloaf. Now, yeah. the other thing is you have to go west of the Mississippi too. Okay. Because it's a completely different animal. And um, I'm totally biased because I lived there for two years, but Alta, Utah would be my favorite place. Oh, that's awesome. I lived, Love lived that. and worked in a lodge there. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, I saw some pretty cool videos of, uh, I think it was you and Josh. Um, and you guys were, I think you were at Jay Peak and you were off the, off the trail um, in the woods. And it was pretty, pretty gnarly stuff. Um, and you guys were, you guys were getting after it. So it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a, another experienced uh, opinion from Steve Collins. Hey, okay, next question. What percentage of people who called themselves Pats fans three years ago are still true Pats fans now? That's an interesting question. I mean, like... And you know what I'm getting at. I mean... No, no, when, you, when you've lost the, the bros... You know, the uh, petals have come off the bloom a little bit, and now we're back in the trenches. Right. And so I'm going to start by saying what every 80s mass old kid says, which is, I was there when the Sullivan's owned it, and the freaking benches were aluminum. <laughs> Sullivan Stadium. It was 2-14 and 1-15 and and in Rod Russ, so yep. I have seen the dark times. Yep, yep. Um, and I was true blue then. I would say... That's probably like a 20%. Oh, that is, that's a good, honest answer. That's a good, honest yeah. answer. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know what? Good riddance to them. They can go fuck themselves. That's I mean, right. I can't believe what we just went through in terms of, uh, not went through, but just experienced in the, the fact that we had 20 years. Dominance. 
just excellence. You yeah. know, even the years when we sucked. If you take a look at like, and I don't mean sucked, but like the years when we didn't get to the top of the mountain. Yep. 18 and one. We went 18 and oh, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 2010, one of our worst football teams. We were up by 18 points on the Indianapolis Colts and lost that game. But if we had won that game, if we had hung on somehow, we would have gone up against the worst entry into the Super Bowl ever, that being the Chicago Bears, and we would have wiped them off the map, and that would have been another one. So even in our wow. down years, 11-5 yeah. and five in 2008, when Brady hurt his leg, that's the highest record for a team that didn't make the playoffs. We went 11-5 and five yeah. without Tom Brady. And so like, even when we didn't get what we wanted, we still were just spanking people yeah you know? yeah no is, you guys had the magic for a long time there's no doubt about it and when look when that happens it's natural to get bandwagon slash fake fans that's going to happen with any team that has a run like that that's just the way it is the same thing happened with the red sox same thing happened you know with the yankees it's it just if you have a team that's that good for that long you're always going to get some pink hats um, question for you. Are you a mass hole or a maniac? So I spent 50-50 before I moved to New Hampshire. I was uh, born, actually born in Nashville, New Hampshire, and lived there until I was four. Okay. And then I lived in Duxbury, Mass, till I was 15. And then I went to high school and lived in Maine, going back and forth to Utah a little bit, until mm -hmm. I was in my you know, mid-20s or so. And then uh, moved to Boston for a couple of years, and then Portsmouth for the last 20 um, but, you know, while I was in, growing up in Massachusetts, I was lucky enough that my dad had a little cottage up on the coast of Maine, so I was there every summer. Yep. And, um, and it was like a true summertime thing. Uh, we would, the car would be waiting, running outside the school on the last day of school. Mm -hmm. We'd hop in it. I'd go up there, spend the entire summer, and we wouldn't even do back-to-school shopping. I'd come back the night before school started and, uh, you know, go to school the next day and then we'd play catch up. So yeah. Maine is Maine has always been like my that's where my heart is. That's awesome. For sure. Yeah. Um okay, next question. So you're all in addition to being a big skier, you like to be on the water. You're a great boater, you're an experienced boater. You just said you grew up in, you know, uh near the water. Um so what's your favorite body of water to just Take a nice, not not to go fishing on, so the fish quality does not matter, but just if you're going to take a nice little cruise around, clear the cobwebs, have some fun, um, what's the best or your favorite body of water to, to, to boat on? All right, so that's a pretty easy question, pardon me. The I like to explain it to people that, like, the coast of Maine, in particular mid-coast Maine, is the top one percent of the top one percent? Okay. It's it's like the billionaires boys club for people with money. Yep. Um, if you come to Portsmouth where I do a lot of boating and the fishing's better, it's like top ten percent. It's amazing. Wow. But but up in Maine, they, you know, the, the coast of Maine as the crow flies is two hundred and forty miles long, but if you stretch it out, not including islands, it's over four thousand miles. So if you think about the amount of coastline, the coves, the harbors all the little hidey holes um the other cool thing about up there is that everything's on peninsulas so mm -hmm. like it's just easier to travel by boat to get places yeah yeah so i met my wife up there as you know yeah and if you go from her house to where i grew up uh spending my summer times by boat if it's a nice day 
I can do it like 12 to 14 minutes. My car takes an hour and 15. <laughs> right, so right. Everybody goes by boat. And yep. restaurants have all got docks, you know? And it's just a, it's a really cool way to get around. So that section of Maine, uh, I'll say, I'll call it from the Kennebec River yep. to Pemaquid Point is my personal favorite. And I could go on a hundred different journeys in that stretch uh, in there and, and love every one of them. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's, we, we're lucky. We're lucky to live this close to a place that beautiful. There's no, no doubt about that. Um, okay, here's a question for you. What is the secret to fantasy football success? I wouldn't know. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's the best answer I've ever gotten for any question. I can tell you what my secret to fantasy football joy is. There you go. Which, which is just thwarting any attempt uh, for Jay Neto to be successful. Oh, here, here. Yeah. Yeah. The Dark Lord. <laughs> Love the it. Dark, the Dark Sith. <laughs> the Dark Lord. Um, all right. So you are, when I had, when my kids were in the, the age of playing athletics, I was a coach for a long time. I really enjoyed being a coach, interacting with the kids and the parents. I really loved it. I know you're a coach too. Um, and you you coach a sport uh, in lacrosse that you were also really good at. You played collegiately. Um, so if you had to sum up your, your – and you obviously played in high school. So if you had to sum up your playing time as a lacrosse uh, – member of the lacrosse family and a coach, what do you enjoy more? Did you enjoy playing more or coaching more? Um, well, I, I'm a better coach. So, you know, I played lacrosse. I was able to – I didn't pick up a stick till a sophomore in high school, mm -hmm. um, so I got a really late start, especially when considering with my kids. Yep. And then, you know, I played in college, but it was University of Southern Maine, and it was a club team until. Oh, don't into... don't qualify no, it, no, no. Steve. You I played have... in college. And then I became a varsity team before yep. I was done, but I was okay. I was yep. a bit of a thug. I was very sound defensively. I had no stick skills. I had high IQ to be where I needed to be when. Gotcha. So I was always playing catch up. You know, like. There's just people that would come from Long Island and people that would come from, um, you know, Maryland and all these other places, whether it was in high school uh, or in college, that were just so much better than me. Right. But um, coaching, I think I'm a lot better. Okay. Although I've got to say, I'm getting to a point now where the kids uh, are getting so good, so fast, so strong. The offensive schemes, the defensive schemes are starting to go a little bit beyond me. Interesting. It's been, it's been kind of nice to sort of let go a little bit yep um so like i'll definitely coach this spring if we have a season um locally for the town team but in terms of like the club coaching and stuff that i did before um i'm not going to do any more of that because they're, they're sort of beyond me now what i was really good at ethan and this is what i loved the most was connecting with the kids yep instilling them with confidence figuring out the small things that they could do well accentuating those and using that as a bridge to get them to do other things well. Love and it. And I freaking loved it. Yep. I, I'll never forget it. And, it. and the other part that I liked about it, and this is something that I'm still getting benefits on to this day, is that I know all my kids' buddies. You know? Yep, like, yep. I don't just know who they are. I know them. That's right. I know their families. I know, you know, everything about who they are and where they come from and good, bad, or indifferent. But... That wasn't the case, you know, for, for my folks necessarily. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I've got like an insight into, uh, and I coach both my daughter and my son's team, so it's true for, for both of them. So yep. I would say I was a better coach, especially at the younger years. I think I was really good. And 
Now I'm getting a little bit out of my scope, but that's okay too. I'm yeah. happy about it. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, everything you just said, I echo that. And even the part where, um, you know, I love soccer. I played it a little bit, but not a lot. Of, I'm more of a fan of soccer than a player. But I understood up until like you 13, I was a yeah. really good tactical coach. If yeah. once I knew I wasn't going to be able to add value to, so I stopped coaching at U14 just because I knew the game was, you had to be a little bit more into it than I was to keep going. So, yeah. but, but all those things you said, absolutely agree with that. All right. Here's a, here's a philo philosophical question for you. Okay. Do the ends justify the means? Oh boy. The ends justify the means. Well, that's a broad scope question, Ethan. Yes. Yeah, so do, do, do you use your intellect and try to bring okay. it down to the core element of what that question is all about? I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, and the reason why I'm going to say no, yep. and this is just my gut shot reaction to that, yep. is I feel that the journey to wherever you're headed is got to be part of the entire program. Yeah. So if, you know, the means, you didn't get anything out of the means because you're just trying to get to the end, then right. it, you're, you're missing out on a big portion of it. And uh, I don't know. I agree. I mean, you could make an argument that the journey is not just an important part, but the most important uh, and biggest part of any endeavor, you know? Well, um, exactly. I'd say more often than not, it is. That's right. Therefore, that's sort of why I think that way. But not always, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right. I like it. Hey, what's the best concert you've ever been to? It was Grateful Dead, 1988. Nice. Oxford, Oxford Plains Speedway in uh, middle of nowhere, Maine. Yeah. Actually, right near, right near where I went to high school. I've been there. And Little Feet warmed up for him. Uh, I actually went to two shows, and it was, uh, yeah, that was good. So that's beautiful. That's what a great, what a great time to be at the school you were at, you know, because here comes the dead after all those yeah. years. Awesome. Who opened for them that time? Do you remember? It was Little Feet. Oh, it was Little Feet. You said that. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's awesome. Um, okay, next question. What is the, your biggest you're, – you're, you drive a lot. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve when it comes to drivers? If you had to pick one thing that drivers do, whether it's 95 or it could be downtown, it doesn't matter. If you could wipe it off the face of the planet and no one would ever do it again, what would you eliminate? Sorry, it's going to be cliche, but if people slow in the fast lane oh. and – one one a would be people that don't use their blinkers yeah yep okay yeah i think there's like the holy grail of you know there's there's or holy grail is the wrong example there's like a you know the mount rushmore of of bad driving tips and it's definitely going slow in the left lane no doubt about it not using your blinker no matter what road you're on but certainly on one a and i think i i wouldn't make the argument for both of the other heads but i think that tailgating is one that uh, unnecessary tailgating, like tailgating on 95 when the passing lane is open, um, things like that. Just uh, I don't, I don't quite get. But um. yeah, well, certainly anything that endangers you—that's for sure. Now, yeah. on the other side, things that I like um, is the other day I saw a guy with a big set of um, balls hanging from his thing. And I, thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was terrific. 
yeah. Yeah. It's always good to, to, to show what you're all about. Hey, um, you, 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 you were early, early, early on the Barstool sports train. You were the first person that uh, I ever heard talk about it. You were the first person that ever showed me the site. You actually, if I'm not mistaken here, you actually got a chance to uh, meet with Dave Portnoy, who has now become uber rich and uber famous. Um, yep. But here's my question. As, as kind of a, an early adopter of Barstool as an entertainment entity, uh, all their success and David's success aside, do you think that the quality of the site and the content has taken a, a turn that's a little bit less about what it used to be and ultimately has the quality gone down? Yeah, I think overall the quality has gone down, but they still have some of the same writers. So the thing that got me hooked on Barstool were two people. It was Dave Portnoy when he used to actually write, yep. and then Jerry Thornton, who to this day is still the best Patriots writer on the face of the earth. Yeah. And Jerry Thornton's fully employed. He pumps out all kinds of content, and that has not dipped. If anything, he's gotten better. You know. Um, That's a good point. That's a good point. Jer yep. Jerry Thornton was like an accountant writing articles on the side for Dave. He turned that into a job as a talk show host of WEEI, and was successful. Right, and then he he quit WEI to go back to Barstool because the offer was so good, and um, so, you know, that was uh, there's but they're a little bit less risky yeah. now, you know. They used to have um, things that they just can't do anymore, you know. Right. Every, yeah. Every Tuesday they have like guess that ass, you know, which. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I, I think I heard a friend might have told me about that. I've never seen yeah. it with my, for myself, but yeah, I've no, heard about I it. Just, I just heard a rumor. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Uh, it's, it's out in the streets. Uh, so might be. It might like, be a thing. They're, they're a little bit more apologetic now than they were, but um, it's just an impressive run for what yeah. they've done. And the amount of times that they could have turtled, the amount of times, the amount of trouble they got into... And just to keep plowing ahead, it's like it is a story of perseverance. Like, it definitely could be a movie someday about, you know, how Portnoy how Portnoy did it. And yeah. Just like his single, like, dogged drive. Right. Uh, to make it successful. Well, I re I remember after you went down to talk to him, you kind of told me how it went, and the the one thing I remember from your kind of download from your meeting with him was that you know that you were like this guy does exactly what he wants to do he's not going to listen to anybody he's completely irreverent and and that irreverence really is the one constant it that that has not changed he doesn't listen to anybody but himself you know no i mean he's he's a, he's in a full on battle with Roger Goodell to this day yeah yeah and it's he went to the super bowl last year in a fake mustache and got kicked out like he, it's hilarious you know <laughs> yeah that was and a he good just point. makes the guy he makes the most powerful man in the NFL looks like a look like a fool on a very regular basis. Yeah, yeah. it's so true. Who does, that? Who does that? Hey, do you know any grown men who routinely walk around and carry Charmin baby wipes in their purse? <laughs> I do know a guy, okay. and it's not me. Okay, we don't we don't need names. I was just curious if if you know you might know someone like that. All right. Uh, some people are very serious about their hygiene. Yeah. This per this person is. Yeah. And uh, I don't judge. Oh, so, look at, yeah. at kidding me. I don't I don't judge that at all. Okay. So speaking of that, what advice would you give uh, to somebody who had to uh, from a from a strategic and stylistic perspective? What advice would you give to someone that has to take a bite out of a hickory sausage link? 
All right, so I think that really what's important is that there may be photographic evidence involved. Okay. And so, especially if it's, uh, you know, in the size and the shape of a, a large penis. That's right. You really, it's super important to take the bite from the side, Ethan. From the because, side. You know, people can take video, they can chop that into things, and if you were to take the bite from the front, um, you know, there's some, some audio-visual folks out there in the world who might have some fun with that. So I would, right. I would always approach it from the side. I think that's, that's sound advice. Um, and it's funny, you know, some people have heard that advice and yet uh, just kind of ignore it. Um, makes you wonder why. Um, okay. Is hindsight always twenty twenty? No. Yeah. No, definitely not. I agree. I mean, yeah, because things look different when you're in the moment. All right, uh, we're getting down to it. Only a couple left. Here is the next one. Would you rather be Tom Brady for one day or Jamie okay. Hoyer for life? All right, so you know, I enjoy life, and the paychecks that Jamie's getting. Um, are you talking about the backup? I'm talking um, about. I, I'm talking about is. Is that his name, Jamie Hoyer, the backup? No, he was a pitcher. Brian Hoyer from oh, the Patriots. Yeah, well, there you go. That shows what a Pats fan I am. So, yeah. thank you. Brian Hoyer. Would you rather be Brian Hoyer for life? Uh, I'd go Brian Hoyer. He's made about, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 million. Yep. And when I just, I think about just decades of fishing and skiing and the house I could have in Alta and a mansion up on the coast of Maine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that. that's a good yeah, one. I'm, I'm not a huge Giselle fan. I think she's a nice human, but like, uh, you know, I don't find her as attractive as other people do. I'm like with she's you. She's gorgeous. Yep. But, uh, you know, it's... here's the thing with that, too. I think there's nothing wrong with being a backup quarterback in the NFL. I mean, that's, that's it's a pretty it's a pretty sweet gig. You know, you yeah. travel around, you get to work out, maybe a couple of endorsement deals here and there for a local car dealership. You know, you avoid the massive injuries and uh, just play play a sport for a while. All right, here we go. Last question, sir. You've been a great guest. I really appreciate your uh, honest and thorough answers. Um, uh, and and you know, how many steps do you get in today before I ask the question? Uh, I try to do five miles minimum a night. Okay. Oh, a night. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Good for you. Not, well, not seven days, but whenever I can. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you, I, I heard you earlier, you split between Maine and, and Mass, but uh, you obviously now live in New Hampshire. Um, and the, the slogan in New Hampshire, and I grew up in New Hampshire as well, uh, live free or die, right? That's the motto. That's like the big thing that's on the license plates. It's such a, it's such an aggressive and, you know, you know, fatal, you know, slogan. It's like live free or die. Um, now, do you think, though, you've lived, I think, in New Hampshire long enough to make this kind of judgment, do you feel like that motto has really kind of, it's not really necessarily representing what New Hampshire is all about anymore? I mean, do you think that it's, I mean, there was a time where maybe you could make the, you know, freedom, it's all about freedom and doing what you want and expression and all that stuff. Do you think it's still that way now? Um, so... You're breaking up a little bit, but I think that uh, I get the gist of the question. And I think that a really interesting way to look at mm -hmm. the live free or die motto is the coronavirus response. Yep. And um, how much sort of government intervention and in telling you to do things or not. And I do think that 
in that case, uh, on a statewide basis, it stayed pretty true to form when compared to other states, like right next door in Maine, right, and just south of us in Massachusetts. I do think that there was more personal choice. Um, I'll say that in my community of Portsmouth, they have been extremely cautious, especially in regards to kids going to school, kids' mm -hmm. sports, and um, just the sheer number of storefronts and restaurants that are shuttering downtown is yeah scary is it's heartbreaking you yeah know? scary but i mean i don't i'm not like i understand we got a big freaking problem i'm not saying we don't i i don't want to come out like i'm someone who doesn't uh, take everything seriously yeah yep. it comes to this stuff um but yeah there you go okay excellent hey listen uh again i want to thank you for your time i appreciate it um, the studio audience appreciates it. You were an outstanding host hope, uh, or guest. I hope you have a great evening, and, and thanks again for being on the show, Steve. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, and thanks for letting me do it during my walk. It definitely made my walk so much more interesting. There you go. All right. Have a great night, man. Take care, buddy. See ya. Thanks. Bye.